Hey, listeners, before we begin this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan, a couple of updates. First of all, we recorded this a while back. Um, We record fairly far in advance, not to pull the curtain back too far, but the episode you're about to hear features the wonderful writer and podcaster, L. Collins, and we talk a little bit about where L. writes and what kind of things they write about in the wrestling world, and uh, we recorded this episode prior to the debut of AEW Dynamite and AEW Dark, so just want to let everyone know that L. does do a weekly AEW Dark report for With Spandex, which is the pro wrestling division of Uproxx.com. And Elle is now also back to doing reports on Impact Wrestling for reasons that they explain in their first column. I won't get into it now. You can go and and read them talking about it in their first column back covering Impact. So at the time we recorded it, they were covering neither of those shows, but they are now. And you should go read the writing about it. Um, I also wanted to say that we talk a lot in this episode about Bailey's character as it evolved during her NXT run and beyond. We recorded this episode prior to Bailey's recent heel turn. So we do not go into that during this recording. But if you want to uh, ask us any questions about that, you can hit us up on Twitter or email us at NXTWrestlingFan at gmail.com. Let's be clear. Not ask us. Ask Miles. I have not seen it. The heel turn was actually great. It was so well done, and I loved it a lot. But uh, we'll talk about that. I like her new haircut. That is the extent of my experience. Yes. We'll talk about that another time. Finally, I just wanted to say, as he tends to do in these early episodes of NXT, Corey Graves comes up a lot in this episode. And uh, I just want to say, as someone currently following NXT at this very moment in late November 2019, uh, fuck Corey Graves. That guy fucking sucks. We're not really just talking about his character because we're treating NXT primarily like a TV show. But, you know, in case anyone was wondering, uh, yeah, fuck him. He sucks. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can probably go look it up. But suffice to say, uh, he's a bootlicker and a bully. And the lead commentator for NXT has not been seen in a couple of weeks because he has anxiety issues and Corey Graves was an asshole to him. So, yeah, that seems like a thing Corey Graves would do. Just keep in mind as you we move forward over the course of the show that we're talking about his wrestling persona. I am not currently a huge fan of him as a person. No. So, uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Thank you for listening to that opening disclaimer and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start and current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we're jumping headfirst into the NXT episode that originally aired on July 17th, 2013. And this is kind of a big one. Tyler Breeze shows up for the first time. Charlotte Flair wrestles her first match in NXT. We have new tag team champions. And Elle Collins is here. Yeah! Hello. I'm glad to be here. Very happy to have you. Welcome to episode nine of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode was basically just an entire hour of us talking about how much we love William Regal. 
And also, Bob was a little bit sad because her beloved Mason Ryan lost a match to the New Jersey stereotype who shall not be named and his extremely tall friend. (laughs) I get the feeling she might have enjoyed this episode a little bit more, but we'll find out for sure in Bob's breakdown. Uh, No wrestling term of the week on this episode, but we will be experiencing the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling, and of course, passing out another copy of the Cheap Pop Quiz. But first, we have to officially welcome our guest, and we are extremely happy happy to have Elle Collins here. Elle writes about wrestling for With Spandex, which is the pro wrestling division of Uproxx. Specifically, they write weekly reviews of NXT UK. At one point, they were writing weekly reviews of Impact before Impact went and hired some terrible people because we cannot have nice things. Mm. They're also the co-host of the Hard Times podcast, as well as a myriad of other shows over the years, including The Invisible Ray, Lasso of Truth, and Into It with Elle Collins, which at one point included sort of a mini podcast that I loved called Crystal Clods, which is extremely relevant to the interests of both Bob and I, since we are both <laughs> massive, massive student universe fans. And I could go on, but I think I'm just going to shut up and let Elle talk now. So Elle, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. And I enjoyed uh, revisiting NXT from before I actually started watching. Did you first start watching wrestling? Because I remember listening to the episode of Into It where you had Danielle Matheson on. And that was a fantastic episode. Is that when you first like actually got into it or had you already had some experiences with wrestling? I basically started watching wrestling so that I could do a wrestling episode of Into It with Daniel Matheson, if I'm completely honest. Wow. Um, But that happened several months earlier because it took a while to schedule the episode I did with her. So by the time we actually recorded, I had been watching for maybe five or six months. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, but yeah, that is how I started. And I, I started watching wrestling in 2015. A lot of people assume that, you know, that anybody who watches wrestling as an adult had some kind of period where they watched wrestling as a child, but I really didn't. Um, I knew about wrestling because I was like a little kid in the South in the 80s and like, how could you not? But I didn't watch it. <laughs> Your town is currently run by a pro wrestler, I believe. Is that yes. right? Yes. Uh, Kane, the uh, corporate demon, is in fact the uh, the general manager of Knox County. <laughs> I have to ask, as somebody who is sort of just entering that world now, did you have a guide? How did you figure all this shit out? I would say that I had multiple guides. Like, Danielle Uh definitely was part of the process of getting me into it. And uh, I was, by that point, friends with uh, both Chris Sims and Matt Wilson of uh, Mm. War Rocket Ajax. And it had been listening to them talk about wrestling on that show that sort of got me curious enough to like really try it. So then I ended up talking to them about it a lot as well. And several other friends that I had mostly over the internet. I pretty much joined wrestling Twitter. Like the day I started watching wrestling because I already knew so many people on it. So I sort of had, had that, and you know, Twitter was like a little better four years ago than it is now. Like, yeah. Everything, everything has gotten worse. <laughs> yes. Um, except for the production values at NXT, which have gotten better. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was just going to be like this forever. No, not so much, Bob, but we'll get to that in the future. Okay. Um, Elle, you came in in 2015, which was kind of a, a pretty cool era of NXT. And I remember in that Intuit episode with Danielle, um, you guys talked a lot about the women's championship match at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, which I don't want to I don't want to spoil too much for Bob before we get there in, you know, a very, a very long time. <laughs> but um, what is your relationship with NXT over the years? What's it like right now? You cover UK. So right now I'm a little more focused on UK since I do cover it, but I am 
currently keeping up with NXT Weekly. I haven't always done that over the past couple of years. I will get behind on it and then go catch up. Or sometimes I'll just like give up and, on catching up and watch a takeover and, you know, go on watching from there. But I generally watch NXT regularly because I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more interested in, you know, I'm a big uh, fan of women's wrestling in general, but particularly on NXT, I'm pretty much always interested in what the women's division is doing. And I'm interested in what the men's division of NXT is doing about uh, 60 to 70% of the time. Sure. Mm. Sometimes they just hire guys and I'm like, that guy's boring, but they're going to pay a bunch of attention to him for a long time. (laughs) Oh no. uh, Until he gets called up to the main roster where they're not going to pay any attention to him at all. (laughs) Right. If I'm really, if I'm being really honest, for example, I frequently find the undisputed era boring. That's like, fair. Like they're talented and like some of them I like individually, but I'm just like, okay, so it's a bunch of douchebags and that's their whole thing is that they're a bunch of douchebags. Yeah, it's funny about them. And and again, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves in terms of the far future of NXT, but a lot of my enjoyment of them, I think, is carried over from the fact that I used to watch them a lot in Ring of Honor. And now that I have completely abandoned Ring of Honor because of the trash fire, it's nice to see some of my old friends from that show when Aww. I used to enjoy it, you know? Yeah, I get that. I wanted to ask, who's the first wrestler who you really got into? I mean, there's lots of different kinds of into. Mm. But I would say, relevant to this discussion today, one of the first wrestlers I was really into was Bailey. Oh, mm. So good. Um, and in fact, the Bailey match from this episode, I had not seen this episode before, but I had seen Charlotte's debut match against Bailey because... Early on in my watching, I actually went back and watched like as much as I could of uh, like Bailey's rise through NXT from like her debut uh, on mm-hmm. just like not watching the whole episode, just like using the network to find her segments. Mm. And I have more I have more thoughts about about her and her development when we actually get to that match. But yeah, I'm super. I Yeah, I, I have a lot of questions for y'all. I'm going to be tagging y'all in fairly often, I think. All right. Well, uh, we're going to get to that tagging in when we get to Bob's breakdown. Before we do that, Bob, we have to go over the answers to last episode's Sheep Pop quiz. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Let's knock that out real quick. Question number one. uh, And again, just to remind everyone uh, as to where we stand on points, Bob has officially reached the 10 points that she needed to uh, get me to read a fanfic or romance novel of her choice. And we will discuss that at some point in the future. (laughs) And now she's going for number two. So starting with a a blank slate here. Question one. Next episode, we will have our latest example of a wrestler from the main roster doing a guest spot in NXT. His name is Seamus. How stereotypically Irish is he? Bob, I feel like you cheated a little bit on this one because your husband is Irish and apparently he looked up all the Irish pro wrestlers, but that's fine. (laughs) I'm sorry. I should have let you know. I'm so sorry. It's fine. A, he has red hair, extremely pale skin, and a real Irish accent because he's actually Irish. B, he has red hair, extremely pale skin, and a terrible Irish accent because he's not actually Irish. C, he is actually Irish, but he doesn't have red hair and being Irish isn't part of his gimmick. Or D, he's not Irish, he doesn't have an Irish gimmick, and the fact that his name is Seamus is kind of mystifying. Bob, you chose A because you cheated. That's fine. (laughs) You're correct. You get a point for it. (laughs) I get my ill-gotten cheat point. (laughs) That's right. Spotted that one. Question number two. Also on the next episode, you will get your first glimpse of a new NXT regular who goes by the name of Tyler Breeze. What fictional character inspired his gimmick? 
Was it A, Captain Jack Sparrow, B, Mad Max Rokitansky, C, Derek Zoolander, or D, Scarface? Bob, you selected Captain Jack Sparrow, and someday I will show you a match involving Pirate Paul Burchill. Oh my god. Who actually was inspired by him. But the correct answer, as I'm sure you know by now, was C, Derek Zoolander. Yeah, that checks out. Yep. And question three. Finally, in the next episode, we will see our first triple threat match. Aside from the fact that there's obviously an extra person, what is the difference between a triple threat match and a regular singles match? So a, triple threats are elimination matches. Once one competitor is pinned or tapped out, the other two continue fighting to determine the winner. B, triple threats are sudden death matches. The first person to pin or submit either of the other two wins, and as a result, all triple threats are no disqualification, because if you disqualify one person, nobody can really win the match. C, triple threats are no disqualification, but it's because the competitors get to bring their own personalized weapons to the ring, hence the threats part of the name. <laughs> or D, triple threats are similar to tag team matches. Two participants are allowed in the ring at the same time. The third must tag in, but he or she can tag either of the others. Bob, you chose uh, answer B, and that is correct. Yes. So good job on that one. You got that one honorably, honestly. So uh, so we'll let you slide for that first one. Uh, so that's two points already coming out of the gate. I may actually have to start making these harder, but we will see how you do uh, yeah. on this week's Cheap Pop Quiz later in the episode. Okay. With that, it is time for Bob's Breakdown. Bob, take it away. Match one. It's a triple threat match, and Leo Kruger is at the top of the ramp checking his hair for split ends. <laughs> and I want to be very clear that despite his background as a traveling mercenary, listeners, if you haven't seen him, this is a man who knows what conditioner is. And he waggles his hair to the audience like he's a debutante waving a fan at a hopeful suitor. <laughs> I think there's a lot of layers to Leo Kruger. I sort of feel like Leo Kruger might have another gimmick in him someday. Yeah. Maybe someday, yeah. At some point, I'm worried that he might discover ecstasy. Oh, I, no. That is a risk. That's a good drug. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> I got to ask, there are so many wrestlers with long hair, just like more than you would see in regular life. Is there something? It, what is this? I remember... Um, John Moxley once talking about how he grew his hair long when he first became a wrestler, because when you first become a wrestler, you try to look like what you think a wrestler looks like, mm. which is generally like a muscular guy with long hair. Right. Okay. And I think the reason for that is because when wrestling really hit its most popular peak was in the middle of the 80s. Oh. So there were just mullets everywhere. <laughs> yeah. There is also the extra benefit of uh, like you when you lean over your opponent, you can like call spots and mm. uh, the audience can see your lips moving because your hair is in your face. I did wonder if there were tactical reasons for it. And that really makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Especially for the women's matches. It blows my mind. Like, if I was going to get in a fight, which obviously is so likely that I will go down to the fairgrounds and just get in a fight. Yeah, I can just see you popping somebody for no reason. Yeah, I would absolutely tie my hair back. I'm not going to have, like, something that could obscure my view. And I get that it's performative, but I was also like, this is impractical. Somebody's going to get hurt. My wife, Sharon, when she watches wrestling with me, she... One of her criteria for whether or not she likes a female wrestler tends to be whether or not their hair is practical when they're fighting. So 
you know, like the first time she saw Sonya Deville, she was just like, that's my girl right there. I love her. <laughs> I I think if it fits the character to have the hair loose, I'm I'm fine with it. Because I'm fine with the fact that Summer Rae, like Summer Rae seems like somebody who practicality is the last thing on her mind. So right. I'm going, you know what? If you were in a fight, you still wouldn't put your hair up. You'd leave it down. So I get it. So the match gets underway. And as I mentioned earlier, it's a triple threat match. So again, if you tag both of you in. Are the rules for this different? Is the only big rule thing that is first to pin or? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I was prepared for there to be a whole new slew of things that I had to remember. I'm very pleased. Nah, it's pretty <laughs> much just that there's three people. First one to pin or submit somebody else wins and they're no disqualification, which doesn't always come up anyway, but they are. So Cesaro gets Zayn in the corner after some early babyface power from Zayn. But Kruger pulls Cesaro off in the least fussy way ever. Like he's just moving a cat off the counter and not a full-sized <laughs> human man. Then he just sort of dumps Cesaro over the top rope like... You know you're not supposed to be on the counter, Mr. Whiskers. <laughs> and then Kruger works on Sammy's right shoulder with a suplex that incorporates some arm torture. So torture or a fancy power move. Now you don't have to choose. <laughs> Zane starts an Irish whip sending Kruger to the ropes, but Cesaro, like an alligator lurking in the shallows, grabs between the ropes and tugs Kruger down to the mat outside the ring. And then Zane jumps into the fray, quite literally doing a forward flip in the air to land butt first into Cesaro and Kruger. And the mm, audience on the outside, yeah. The audience goes fucking berserk. Rightly so. It was very cool. I get the sense that uh when I watched it again that Cesaro was supposed to catch Kruger a little bit better oh. in that one moment when Zane threw him out of the ring. It wasn't like super jarring or anything, but it just looked like maybe he was supposed to catch him. I'm not mm. sure. Well, Zane goes out there, hauls Cesaro back in the ring, and I feel like we see some evolution of his character a little bit. Like he's bending the rules, hitting Cesaro even when Cesaro's touching the ropes. Am mm. I seeing that or am I making that up, Ellen Miles? I think that uh, Sammy's relationship with the rules and with like what it means to be a good guy is definitely a part of his ongoing character arc in NXT. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. And, you know, he and Cesaro have been feuding for a while now. I mean, you know, they wrestled on the first episode that we covered on this show, and they've basically been intertwined ever since. So it makes sense to me that Cesaro and Sammy, you know, that Sammy is – cares a little bit more about attacking Cesaro than he does about being a good person. And one of the interesting things that I find about this match is that Sammy and Cesaro are kind of treating Kruger as though he's, you know, a pain in the ass. Like, get out of here, Kruger. We want to fight each other. We hate each other. <laughs> uh, from the very beginning, Cesaro goes after Sammy. And then when Kruger tries to get involved, Cesaro, like you said, Bob, just shakes him off and like keeps going after Sammy. And when Sammy does that dive over the top, who does he throw back into the ring? He throws Cesaro back into the ring. So the story of this match, in a way, is they're so focused on each other that they're really trying, you know, they're really not caring so much about who Kruger is or what he's doing, which ends up costing them in the end. Uh, well, taking that point, so Zane gets up on the ropes and throws himself at Cesaro, who catches him like it's nothing. And I mean, let's be honest, for Cesaro, it is in fact nothing. And <laughs> yep. then Cesaro cracks him on his knee like a walnut, and he goes for the pin. But Kruger jumps in to spoil it, practically screaming, Notice me, senpai, goddammit! <laughs> and you know what? Boy, does Cesaro notice, because those two start yelling at each other. And I was watching going, kiss, and did not happen. 
No. I, I uh I don't care that every that the only other fanfic involving this would be uh Zane and Cesaro, of which there's only two readers, or like only about two, but you know, I'm gonna keep shipping this until it becomes untenable. Fair enough. All right, a bit later, Kruger has some control over the match and is belly to belly with Zane in the corner. It is less sexy than it sounds, but not that much less sexy. <laughs> and then Cesaro comes up behind them and suplexes both of them at the same dang time. They're scattered across the floor like dominoes. Yeah, if somebody really spot. hated dominoes. Yeah. Oh, it was so cool. That was the first time I'd ever seen that um, on NXT. Though. I've watched nine episodes, so right, I'm yeah. guessing I haven't seen seen everything that wrestling has to offer, I suspect. <laughs> you haven't, but I, I do feel like in 2013, and L, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but in 2013, that kind of thing, it feels newish for that era. I'm not sure there were a lot of people in WWE, at least, doing those chain suplexes. Yeah, I completely agree. <sighs> it was awesome. Cesaro gets Kruger out of the picture and then swings Zayn around by his neck. Cesaro is about to go in for the finish. But from behind, Kruger clocks him. Kruger and Cesaro fight over the chew toy that is Sami Zayn. But Sami Zayn is no man's chew toy and wraps a hand around both to throw them down on their faces. And then Zayn gets Kruger out of the mat to face Cesaro. But no... Cesaro is finally able to complete his finishing move on Zane. And like the canny predator he is, Kruger slides in on Cesaro's fresh kill and pins Zane for the win. You did but a good the, job of recapping that. Boy, that was a hard one. So many, so many names. Yeah. I couldn't just rely on like, well, you can never in a, in a wrestling match rely on pronouns because you're always like, uh, because it's like same gender wrestling. But then on top of that, having to go like, okay, who is where at what time? It was like writing fanfic all over again. L, did you have uh, any thoughts on this match? Um, well, first of all, uh, because again, I wasn't watching yet in 2013 although I've heard about some of these things, I was a little taken aback by like conservative anti-immigrant Cesaro. Yeah. Waving his Gadsden flag. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. He started doing that, that gimmick after we started coverage. And it was a, it was a heartbreaking moment early in the show when he went manga. Like the one watching it, you know, now these, these horrific six years later, at least the guy waving a Gadsden flag and fighting the Syrian immigrant is also himself an immigrant. So it's at least ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that is like the saving grace. If it was an grace. American guy doing that, it would be completely intolerable. Oh, I can't even imagine. I he He's moved on, right? Right? He's oh, not yes. still doing Absolute, it. Okay, absolutely. absolutely. Like five or six times. Yeah. Oh, wow. Ooh. He has range. Okay, that's cool. Maybe speaking of a little less range, backstage. <laughs> sorry, Corey Graves. Backstage, Grave comes to monologue at Adrian Neville about being tag team partners. But like the sulky fairy prince he is, he sees zero reason to stick around and wait for a commenter to respond, walking off while Neville looks thoughtful. I rewatched it and I hadn't realized that Corey Graves didn't wait for Adrian Neville to say anything. He just walked away. Yeah, it's it, pretty common, I feel like. It heightened the absurdity of it for me in a really delightful way, but I also feel like it spoke to who Corey Graves' character is. I mean, yeah, Corey Graves uh, getting more of those catchphrases in there, just saying something about getting his fix, you know, because he's a walking collection of catchphrases. <laughs> As we went over last time. And then we get match two, Sylvester LaFour. He's changed the tiger print for an electric yellow pantsuit. 
And his protege, Scott Dawson, comes to the ring in a real mood and still wielding the mag light of prestige. So Bo Dallas comes in and the crowd is sort of fine with that. Not <laughs> not actively enraged, I guess. The match I don't starts. know, man. I mean, they, they seemed a little mad that he was there, but it, I think if it was anyone but like extremely early career Scott Dawson, they might have been more upset that Dallas showed up. Well, they okay, they tolerate it. They don't they don't riot. Yeah. So the match starts and Bo Dallas goes in for an early cover, but Scott Dawson, he came here to floss or win, and he's all out of floss. <laughs> So his fingers go straight up Dallas' nostrils and Dawson tries for an Irish whip. But once Dallas is out of his control, he comes back to just kick Dawson in the face. He knocks Dawson down a few times, but he keeps popping up like one of those inflatable Bozo the Clown punching dolls that scared the fucking bejesus out of me as a child. (laughs) I'd forgotten those things existed until I had to look one up because I was like, what is that thing I'm thinking of? And then went, oh, Jesus, why would we let that be in a child's bedroom? Okay, my anger at 90s children's toys aside. Bo grabs Dawson, tummy to tummy, does a suplex, and then right into a pin. The Bo Leavers, of which I think there are three in the audience, scream loudly, and the rest of the audience has pretty mixed feelings, to put it mildly. And then Leo Kruger stalks out from the mists and beats the fuck out of Dallas, (laughs) subduing him completely. And then he picks up the belt and rubs his beard on it like he's scent marking it for later. (laughs) Okay, I don't know how mercenaries operate. Maybe that is how you track things that you're after. (laughs) But the crowd starts chanting, thank you, crew. No, I'm not going to do it. Like, how do you how do they chant that? They go, thank you, Kruger. There we go. Leo Kruger is like the uh, Craven, the hunter of wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. And I love a lot of, I love Squirrel Girl, so I love Craven the Hunter. So this is my ninth episode of NXT, so I don't have a lot of frame of reference for this. But is it normal that they're still trying to put over Bo Dallas as a thing people should be into? Because, I, I mean, mean, one, it doesn't seem to be working, but also did I use over, right? You did. You did. Yes. From the perspective of having started watching WWE and NXT a couple of years after this and watched it ever since... It's super weird that they're trying to put Bo Dallas over as champion. (laughs) It's the weirdest imaginable thing in retrospect. Although I will say it is not weird in WWE in general for them to be like, you know who people should really cheer? This guy. Wait, they're booing him? Try harder. Oh, no, that's a terrible way to do things. Although NXT gets better at not doing that. True. The rest of WWE, not so much. Okay, so it's package time. It's the Ascension being dorky goth boys with more of their slam poetry. So (laughs) this week, it's a selection of Rick Victor's poetry that he's been workshopping during geometry. So his poetry is considerably better than his skills at finding the volume of a cone. It's a lot of awakening, (laughs) future of the universe, reduced heroes to ashes. And then Rick's boyfriend comes out to help with the chorus. And it's all really cute. So I know they think they're scary. They're not. They're adorable. (laughs) I did not remember early Ascension, and I am now just, how can you not believe they're a couple? I mean, it's undeniable. It would be baffling to me if they ever suggested, they're like, oh no, Connor O'Brien definitely has a canonical vampire wife that we never Wait, meet. Did the Ascension have each have two names at this point? Yeah, yeah, Connor O'Brien and Rick Victor. Oh, weird, because I only know them as Connor and Victor. 
So that actually, this is a very much a, a side tangent, but that helps explain how the tags work on AO3 in regards to those names. Because I was mm. going, wait a second, why is it Connor slash Connor O'Brien and then Victor slash Victor, Rick Victor, there we go. Yeah, when, when you get called up to the main roster, Bob, they, they will often change your name or drop one of your names. Fair enough. I mean, I guess merchandising purposes. It's I cheaper guess. to print fewer letters. <laughs> Seems like a thing they would think about. I guess. We're losing suppose. money, all this ink. We can't afford it. I think that Vince McMahon thinks that uh, people with only one name are more intimidating. Mm. Which I think may have something to do with, like, you can't give them nicknames as easily. Because I specifically remember Rusev saying that... Vince changed his name from Alexander Rusev to just Rusev because he didn't want people to call him Alex because then he wouldn't be scary. <laughs> That's, That's weird. <laughs> I feel like it says something very interesting about the way Vince McMahon's brain works. Just going, you know, children are, are going to say Alex and then they'll be friends with you and it'll definitely change your vibe. So well, I mean, we it's can't weird. have this. It's weird too because like he's had so many heels over the years that have names like Sean and, you know, like Randy. <laughs> Wait, Randy Orton's a heel? I mean, for most of his career. And also Randy Savage was a heel for a lot of his career. Maybe he thinks oh. Randy is really terrifying. I don't know. <laughs> Randy is the scariest name there is. <laughs> <laughs> and now we get some really cheerful match, or at least somewhat cheerful, because it's Bailey. And Bailey gets her entrance. And then, of course, Ric Flair comes out to an audience and it's like a neighborhood of dogs after a siren has gone by. It was just woos for days, folks. Woos for days. Yep. And he gets on the mic and introduces his baby girl, Charlotte. So Charlotte gymnastics to the stage and very, she's auditioning for the cheer squad kind of vibe. And it seemed to me very mild because I guess I was expecting a stronger, more subversive flavor out of the gate since her legacy is, you know, from a heel and not a face. Mm -hmm. So Miles L, I was just curious about it. What did this presentation of a totally new wrestler in this legacy way say to you as learned wrestle folk? I have a lot of thoughts about Charlotte and like Ooh, please. where Charlotte is now versus like seeing her debut match here for the first time in a while. Because Charlotte has really figured her shit out since 2013. Uh, and I don't just mean like she's learned like to wrestle instead of just doing gymnastics in the wrestling ring. Although I that is true. That. But she has really learned how to like build a cohesive persona. Because the impression that I get of Charlotte here in her debut is that, I mean, Charlotte is a jock. You know, yeah. she, did, she played volleyball, she was a gymnast, she. Played a ton of, of sports, you know, growing up and as an adult uh, as well. And, like, there's a real sense of, like, someone who I feel like is very much a tomboy in actuality, who in this instance, because it's 2013, because it's still the Divas era, she's, like, trying to perform some amount of, like, glamorous femininity that doesn't come oh, naturally to her. Mm -hmm. okay. And... The thing that has happened since then is that she's really, like, learned how to mesh those aspects of her persona into something that makes sense. Because if you see her now, both when she's wrestling and just when she comes out to the ring and just, like, the way she dresses, the way she does her hair and her makeup, the way she carries herself, she is both this, like, glamorous queen and 
this like unbelievably athletic badass at the same time in a way that makes sense. And in 2013, it wasn't really making sense yet. And, you know, and we didn't know her in 2013. You know, she's about to go on a really great run where, you know, we're going to really find out who Charlotte is. And she's going to figure out who she is, like you said, Elle, as a wrestler. This is right around the time when I started watching NXT. I'm not sure if I watched this match live or not, but definitely I remember, you know, very green, you know, uh, early incarnation Charlotte. And you just didn't really think much of her. Like she was Ric Flair's daughter, but she, you had never heard of her. She hadn't been on the independence at all. She seemed like she was kind of a, a legacy slash product of WWE developmental more than anything else. So she didn't move the needle very much at first. And I think one of the things that happened in the, in the near future as we move forward is that not only did she discover who she was, but the people in charge of the company were like, oh, oh, you can do this. Oh, OK, let's package you like this then. You know what I mean? Let's take this yeah. whole this legacy thing that you have of being a flair and we'll make it about you being like physically superior to everybody else because you can do so much more than a lot of the other women on the roster can do. You're right, though. It's fascinating watching back and seeing her come out like a, you know, like she's just like skipping and, and trying to be pretty. And yeah. it's just weird when you look back at it it felt really bizarre to see it because it did look like she was kind of uncomfortable with it but was putting on a good face yeah it's an interesting contrast too because like bailey has also evolved in six years yeah she's still bailey like she doesn't have dinosaurs on her tights anymore and she's less like outwardly nervous and almost unsettlingly childlike than she was in 2015. Mm. (laughs) But she's still recognizably the same character. Charlotte has become a completely different person, but like for the better. So the match gets underway and Bailey gets uh, some good arm grabs, but Charlotte does a cool cartwheel to get out of an arm submission hold and then kicks Bailey's legs out from under her. It looks pretty super spy. And Ric Flair is outside the ring cheering on Charlotte and generally dadding around the place. (laughs) Bailey tries to get Charlotte's arm again, but Charlotte trips her before rolling Bailey into a pin over which Charlotte does a bridge. Charlotte's web. It's called apparently. I, you know what? I'm not going to lie. That was a pretty pleasing name. I was not unhappy with that. Yeah. So (laughs) Bailey kicks out and they separate again. This time when they grapple, Bailey goes for locking arms back to back with Charlotte and then bending forward, sliding Charlotte into a pin. And that this kind of brings me to what you guys were already talking about. It looked really acrobatic and gymnastic more so than any of the other women's matches. Am I seeing something unique? Is this, are they catering to Charlotte's existing style? Was this just super choreographed because it was the daughter of Ric Flair and they couldn't have it look shitty? I think it probably was very choreographed. I don't know any like backstage details, but it's Mm -hmm. really obvious that Charlotte doesn't have any experience actually wrestling. So they're sort of like using her gymnastic abilities to make her wrestling look impressive. Mm. Uh, Whereas Bailey, like Bailey was an indie wrestler and has like been obsessed with being a wrestler her whole life. So she already pretty much knows what she's doing. I think Bailey is probably working hard to make Charlotte look as good as she possibly can. And I think that probably involved 
plenty of advanced planning for this match. Yeah. Okay. And I will say, Bob, that move that you described with, with the, the slide, that is actually a, a very common wrestling move called a backslide. So in that oh. in that case, you're seeing um, just a, a pretty common move that uh, that people try to pin their opponent. Doesn't It almost never works. I You very rarely <laughs> see somebody actually get pinned off a backslide, but you do see the move attempted quite frequently. Okay. It looks pretty good. Yeah. So the match is going okay for Bailey, and then Ric Flair takes his jacket off, <laughs> which I I guess is a sign for Bailey to hulk out a little bit. So kicks Charlotte in the gut, but Charlotte gets it all under control, smacks Bailey's face on the turnbuckle pad. Hey listeners, have you said turnbuckle in a while? Mm. Go on, treat yourself. Turnbuckle. 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 <sighs> yes. It's just such a good word. <laughs> it's got that nice B and that K and L sound. Uh, yeah. Not enough of it in life. Really, All right. some truly appealing phonetics there. It is. So then there's a clothesline followed by Charlotte doing a cartwheel while holding hands with Bailey, which would be heartwarming if it wasn't followed up by using her hold on Bailey to make Bailey smack her face into the mat. And then Charlotte pins her and it's over. Uh, and I was very curious about narratively whether new wrestlers are almost always introduced with a win. Usually, yeah, I think um, it's fairly traditional for a new wrestler, I would say, to to enter and win their first match. It's interesting because one of the things I enjoyed about this match was Bailey's character work because she is playing a character who's who's a super fan. Right. And she's obsessed with all these famous wrestlers, as we saw on the previous episode when she first interacted with Flair and with Dusty Rhodes. And she kind of is distracted by Flair at ringside. He's so famous and he's such a, a big deal in wrestling. And there's a moment after he takes his jacket off when she kind of like puts her hands out like, it's okay, Rick, like don't don't get upset, you know, and she's very starstruck and very, you know, into the fact that he's there. And then she turns around and just picks up Charlotte like she's nothing and gives her a massive suplex <laughs> because she's <laughs> actually incredibly strong. I really oh. enjoyed that about the match. Yeah. I think Bailey is one of the best characters in NXT slash WWE history. And I love, like, her arc makes sense. Like, I was talking about how she's evolved and how she's not as awkward now as she was back then. But that makes sense. Like, that's a character, that's the character arc for her because, of course, she was completely starstruck and didn't know how to talk to anybody when she first got there. Yeah. But eventually, you know, she's seen. She's seen Ric Flair dozens of times because he's always coming around. So it's right. going to start to seem normal. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> As I recall, like I said, having gone back and watched a lot of these segments, I think there's a real sense of uh, of uh, infatuation towards Charlotte from Bailey that sort of goes on in interesting ways from here that I think mm. you'll enjoy, Bob. Oh, yeah, you, you hooked me now. Now I'm going to be watching. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I was prepared to be like, nah, Charlotte's fine, but now, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> I think there's a real, and I don't know that this is intentional, but I don't, I'm not ready to say it's unintentional either. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think there's a real sense of queerness to uh, particularly Bailey's early NXT character. Mm -hmm. There is something about it that kind of it struck me in that way, but I couldn't really articulate what it was because there's the childlike aspect, which, as you say, it's very uh, kind of unsettling and odd. And then there's this other aspect to it that does feel very queer. And I'm like, what? I, I can't pick it apart. Well, she just I feel like she just really wants someone to care about her. She wants someone to be close to. And she's mm. really pursuing other 
women in the NXT women's division like to fill that role. Yeah, you remember, Bob, the the first appearance uh, while during our coverage of Bailey is that awkward interview with Renee Young where she kind of sort of asked her out. Yeah, and I was very into that. And I mean, aside from the childlike aspect, which again, no, right. but the the sort of going, Renee's really pretty. And I was like, I know, right? <laughs> Backstage, it's Tony. And I got to say, where's Renee? I miss her. But, you know, t- <laughs> Tony's fine, I guess. Yeah, I had the same reaction. Seamus is here, though, uh, and he has the beautiful spiky hair of a hedgehog and a gorgeous hipster beard. So I do want to say I have a type. And while I don't feel personally attacked by Seamus, I do feel seen. I don't <laughs> like that, it. Is that type Irish, Bob? Is Irish your type? <laughs> no, he's not. He's a specific type. Dude, oh, man. I Let me tell you, having lived there for a while, they do not all look like Seamus by any stretch of the possible imagination. But uh, Seamus is a very good, like, poster boy for the look. But somebody has seen Seamus and attacks and he gets a good whack of the head from someone. (gasps) Could it be? Ah, yes, it's Bray Wyatt. Here to do a little preaching of his own particular brand of madness. So hashtag follow the buzzards, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then we get a backstage package. So it's Tyler Breeze and we can only see the back of him. And oh, my God, I hate him. It's like, what if Zoolander wasn't just clueless, but was also kind of an asshole? But I don't want to hate him. And so far, my thought is, as long as he doesn't start beef with Mason Ryan, I think it's going to be okay. Like, I don't <laughs> think I'm going to hate him, but I don't know. So now it is match four. Adrian Neville and Corey Graves enter. I just want to note for anybody, you know, counting at home, Corey Graves has a new jean vest this time. Still not dirty, very clean, but, you know, he's a tidy boy. I don't want to spoil anything. I don't know how much Bob knows about the future of Corey Graves. I do know about the thing, but I don't know when it happens. I do know about it. Well, all I was going to say is it is weird to look back at Corey Graves and how he dressed in 2013 compared to how he dresses now. (laughs) You know, I think I saw him on a thing, and boy, it was very not what I expected. He's more like he's just more like Sylvester LaFord these days. It's true. Oh, Corey Graves is such a weird character in wrestling, especially looking back at him from now. It's it's so it's he's just a. I wonder sometimes, and these are the things I wonder about because I think about wrestling too much. I wonder sometimes, like how we'll look back at Corey Graves as a wrestling personality in like <laughs> twenty years. Yeah, like, I like the way he wrestles. Like, I think it's really interesting. I mean, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, Uh, fair enough. He's fine. Corey Graves, his thing for me was always that he never embarrassed himself. Like, he was always perfectly fine. He he never stood out to me, but he was always just like, yeah, okay, that guy knows what he's doing. You know, because he was in the Indies for 10 years before he came here. It gives Corey Graves a different context, too, when you put him next to Neville, because Neville is such a, like, friendly gnome (laughs) oh my god that like Corey becomes like i don't know like an unseely elf yes (laughs) you are speaking my actual language this is perfect yes he is these comparisons are universal i love it yeah i've been referring to him as a hobbit this whole time well not Corey graves i've been referring obviously to neville as a hobbit but yeah Corey graves is some sort of otherworldly creature like a bit of a weird one but yeah yeah he's like an elf rogue yes oh my (laughs) god he is an elf rogue neville is a halfling monk or something 
<laughs> oh shit! Yeah, he's I want definitely this. a monk for sure. He's got that body control. Chris Newton, if you are listening, please, please, I need this so much. Even if you just write the character sheets, I just really want to have this halfling monk and elf rogue who like are tag team partners for some reason. That's so beautiful. No, I can go on with this breakdown. I'm just like lost in a reverie of like their adventures through Middle Earth now. <laughs> do you think do you think Neville was like, never thought I'd win the tag team championships fighting side by side with an elf? And Graves was like, how about side by side with a friend? I don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is Corey Graves think he's straight edge? Yeah, that's, that's one of his things, right? Isn't he like dollar store CM Punk, right? I believe he is straight edge. Yeah. Uh, okay, that kind of makes sense for his intensity. Like, nobody's more intense than straight edge, I, dude. I feel like that's going to be awkward when Carmella's wine comes out next month, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they'll deal. Brie Bella also came out with a wine and Daniel Bryan wouldn't drink it, so I guess that's just how things are sometimes. Yeah. So the Wyatts are there with the traditional rocking chair of observance and they're both introduced by the announcer and we get this amazing shot of Bray Wyatt. It's from behind and he's doing this polite golf clap for the Wyatt family. Corey Graves and Adrian Neville, they coordinate the first pin of the match because Adrian runs up, tags Graves and then Neville throws himself into Rowan's arms like hold me daddy followed up by Graves coming in with a kick to Rowan's face. So Neville rolls out of the way, leaving Graves to pin Rowan. But no, Rowan is a big bear boy, and he shakes Graves off, and Graves is momentarily in the Wyatt corner. And then Rowan charges him, and like something from Winnie the Pooh, Rowan gets tangled in the ropes, and his butt is sort of stuck inside the ring, and his torso (laughs) is hanging out towards the audience. And I was powerfully reminded of that one time that Pooh got stuck in Rabbit's Burrow, and it was really delightful. In my mind, this was uh, clearly what they were trying to evoke, but I suspect uh, upon reflection that it may not have been. So things become rapidly less heartwarming as Graves is worked over by Harper and Rowan. Harper comes in and gives Corey three elbow drops in a row, tries to pin. Corey wants to get to Neville. Neville wants to get to Graves. For a second, it looks like Graves might rally, might make it back to his corner for the tag. And then Luke Harper drop kicks Graves in the snoot and (laughs) Graves goes ragdoll limp. Arms and legs just flop. And then Rowan comes down on him for the pin, but Graves rolls out. He keeps fighting back. His moves getting sloppier and looser the longer the fight goes on. I was very impressed by that, by the way. I thought that was, was that acting or was that like just going, I genuinely am tired by this point. These guys are pretty well conditioned. I'd say it's probably more acting than it was actual being actually being tired. Uh, it look. I love it whenever they get that like punch drunk look and they're like sort of flopping a little bit. So I'm like, yeah, yeah stakes feels real. So Harper comes barreling at him and he moves out of the way just enough to let Harper go flailing out of the ring onto the pads outside. He's free to make the tag. He's crawling, dragging, tired limbs. Harper's crawling back into the ring, sliding over to tag Rowan. Graves is getting nearer. Is it enough? Ah, he tags Neville in and then Neville just bounces into the ring, knocking Rowan down twice. And Harper does not like it, tries to sneak up on him, but Neville practically river dances out of the way. It was very... He looks like he's done dancing in his past. I just want to say that. I wouldn't be surprised. He's good. Yeah. 
And then he throws himself legs first at Harper, catching his legs around his neck enough to swing around and pull Harper down the pads. And now Rowan and Harper on the outside and Neville pops up onto the top rope and does this beautiful vertical leap off of it, flipping to come down on Harper and Rowan and it is mag-fucking-nificent. Yeah, that's called a moonsault and it almost never looks that good because that one looked great. Yeah. A moonsault? A moonsault, yes. Is it because it's backwards instead of forwards? Yes. I mean, (sighs) kind of, yeah. That's just such a good name for anything. So now I'm like, oh, that's great. So Bray Wyatt is starting to look a little stressed out. It's not going the way he thought it would. Neville gets Rowan back in the ring and does a flying leap into pin. But Harper gets him in the back, breaking the hold. And the ref suddenly becomes momentarily effective and admonishes Harper to wait to be tagged, please, sir. Which I was sort of like, whoa, where'd the referee come from? <laughs> I just hadn't expected it because it like had been a non-issue the entire time. And yeah. then all of a sudden he was like, hey, hey, come on now. I will turn this ring around. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. It was like, oh, well, I mean, it was nice of you to show up. Neville goes for another high-flying move, but Wyatt sneaks in to knock him off the top rope. He gets him. Oh, is this going to be another brave Wyatt cheating the Wyatt family's way to victory? But no. As the foreshadowing told us, it's Deus Ex Dubliner. Seamus <laughs> flies down. He is actually from Dublin. I double checked. But AKA, Seamus, AKA Seamus Ex Machina. Seamus flies down the ramp and attacks Bray Wyatt, sending him into the stairs. Neville does one last incredible high flying move down on Rowan for the pin. And the crowd fucking explodes like it is New Year's Eve. And Neville and Graves are the new tag team title holders of NXT. Yeah, that move uh, is called the Red Arrow, and that is his finisher. He's amazing. I love how Graves, like, didn't do shit to win the titles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like he was just sort of, he took a beating, and, like, that was enough. He took a beating, he made the hot tag, and then Neville just, like, killed everyone and won the won the belts <laughs> after Seamus came down to even the odds. Sometimes what you really need is a halfling monk and not an elf rogue. Yeah, you know, hey. It's so weird to me that, like, Seamus, I, di- I had no idea that Seamus was involved in the story of them winning the tag titles. And I, I have to think that this was planned out well in advance. And either that was supposed to be Cassius Ono or Cassius Ono and Graves were supposed to win the titles. And that was supposed to be Neville. Like, they were setting up Neville, Graves, and Ono as, like, the three-person team to take on the Wyatt family. But then Cassiano wouldn't go to the gym enough, so they took him off TV. So <laughs> I can't help but think that's why Sheamus was shoehorned into into that role. Although I, I couldn't they just have had Regal do it? Like he just fought the Wyatt's last episode and he was sitting right there at commentary. I was a little bit confused by that. It does seem a little random. I did wonder because I was I thought that was the fastest I've ever seen a storyline move. And it also seemed really perfunctory that they're like, oh, he got hit in the head. Now he's out for blood. And I was like, is that is that it? That's the story. But I mean, I like Seamus seems delightful. It just did seem yeah. narratively surprising. And I looked up, uh, I was thinking to myself, like, maybe because the Wyatts had been appearing on on main roster television by this point. And so I thought that maybe um, they had been doing a thing, you know, him and Seamus had, had a thing on the main roster. But no, the Wyatts were were busy feuding with the, the mayor of, of Knox County, Tennessee. I guess they just like had last minute deal for whatever reason. Happens sometimes. Yeah, fair enough. You know, the show must go on. It worked out. This match reminded me how much I really love Luke Harper. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was like, I, Luke Harper is my favorite one so much. I'm a, I feel vindicated. Yeah, Luke Harper is great. I love his yeah, yeah, yeah's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just this whole thing. Also, 
I just find this very amusing about Luke Harper, specifically at this time in his history. So before coming to NXT, uh, Luke Harper was an indie wrestler. He used to wrestle with Chikara, which was an indie promotion that I watched a whole lot of uh, when they introduced their streaming video service. At that time, Luke Harper was known as Brody Lee. Uh, and he, his gimmick was that he was a lumberjack. Oh, shit. But he wore, like, what he's wearing in this episode of NXT is exactly the same outfit <laughs> he wore as a lumberjack. Like, nothing about his appearance changed at all. And he just went from, from lumberjack to swamp cultist. Uh, oh maintaining the exact same uh, white undershirt and red flannel and jeans combo. <laughs> I love that so much. The reason that uh, his indie name was Brody Lee is because under his beard, he bears a close resemblance to actor slash skateboarder Jason Lee. Does he oh, really? His character oh. in the movie Mallrats is named Brody. <laughs> you know what? I can actually kind of see the Jason Lee resemblance. and I'm really glad that he has the big beard. I mean, if he shaved it, like, I'm sure he would still be a beautiful beast of a man. But I dig the beard a lot. That is a piece of trivia I did not know. And I'm so glad I know it now. <laughs> That's we, uh, we really need to watch some Chikara on the show sometime, Bob, because I have not seen nearly enough of it. And so many people in our immediate circle who watch wrestling uh, are super into Chikara. Cesaro, also in this episode, uh, was also a big deal in Chikara before he came really? to WWE. Really? Yeah. yeah, he used to have, um, he had like long hair that he pulled back in a ponytail, what? but he was already very noticeably balding. What uh, am he wore, I hearing? He wore a suit with dollar bills signs on it. What? <laughs> what the, what was his name? I gotta know. His name was, uh, he, I think he was using his real name, which is uh, Claudio Castagnoli. Wow. Yeah, I used that name in Ring of Honor, which is where I saw him for the first time. But Chikara is some wild shit, and I really want to watch more of it. Also, one time he dressed (sighs) up as an ice cream cone. Uh, There's a a tag team. There's a a Luchador-style tag team in Chikara called Los Ice Creams. I've heard Uh, of them. That's like the one thing I've heard of from that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, El Hijo de Ice Cream and Ice Cream Jr., um, oh. But for one of the trios tournaments, they needed a third ice cream. So Claudio Castagnoli <gasps> put on an ice cream mask and became very mysterious ice cream. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Miles, I need it. I need it so right. much. We'll watch Shikara sometime soon, Bob. We will, we okay. will get you to it. Because it's like one of the blind spots that I have in wrestling that I wish desperately to no longer have so um because i've heard so many people talk about it and what i have seen is incredible because that's um isn't that mike quackenbush's company l Mm -hmm. yeah and i i love him so um yeah we'll 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 get into that and uh sarah del rey who is the uh i don't know if you've talked about her by name the female wrestler that they hired at nxt to become the head trainer of the women who basically revolutionized women's wrestling in WWE. Uh, That's so dope. She was a huge star in Chikara. Chikara never had much of a women's division, but they just freely did intergender wrestling. So she was like, she wrestled Cesaro and Luke Harper. Oh my God. I have to see her wrestle Cesaro. Like all the other guys, Eddie Kingston. Holy shit. That's so cool. I was big into shimmer uh, in the, the mid two thousands and, and Sarah Del Rey was the queen of Shimmer in more ways than one. She was the absolute 
like dominant champion and she was one of my favorite wrestlers on the planet and I'm quickly losing hope that we'll ever see her wrestle in NXT <laughs> but it would be awesome if she did I love Sarah Del Rey I didn't know she was in Chikara and now we have to do this Bob it's yeah. happening yeah oh my god I've never seen intergender wrestling that wasn't like done as a lol do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. yeah. So I can't even envision it. Like, it's never been presented to me as a thing that was even possible to do in any serious way. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, the gender politics of going like, oh, how can we have somebody win? This will have this will have ramifications or yeah. whatever. Bob, if you ever does like go check that out independently, come back and report to us here on the show, because I would love to get your thoughts on Chikara or or anything else. You know, the reason we're doing NXT, besides the fact that I'm so into it, is just that it's it's such a good, you know, like easily accessible, like one yeah. hour TV show, like easily packaged into a podcast review form. Um, mm. But, you know, as we've talked about before, there's so much wrestling. We had to pick something. Yeah, but there's so much wrestling that I, I would love for us to have the opportunity to branch out and watch more stuff, because like the longer we do this, the more it becomes clear that it, it's it's just even in such a self-contained universe like NXT, it's hard to keep it that way. And, yeah. I, you know, and, I'm, and fuck it. Let's let's just talk about other shit because who cares? <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you divorcing the format already? No, no, I'm not divorcing the <laughs> format. But like, okay. you know, I just feel like like I don't want you to feel like you can't go out oh, and watch okay. other things. You know what I mean? Oh, well, like, the fuck you could stop me, sir. The well, fuck no, you I could stop <laughs> Bob, thank you so much for that breakdown. Uh, do you have anything to say regarding your uh, overall thoughts about this episode? Or did we already kind of get everything? I think the only overall thing I want to <laughs> wanted to say was that I was a little sad that there wasn't a Mason Ryan minute in it. But, you know, I enjoyed everything else and I was OK with that. All right, Bob. Well, uh, with that, it is now time for the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. Bob, in this episode, what did your elf eyes see? My elf eyes saw the way that Kruger exits the ring. I just can't get over it because he sort of like melts down to the mat and then just rolls out and is gone. And it looks he does it so smoothly that it looks like he's just piecing out on life. I don't know. It's very interesting. I just enjoy it. Fair enough. Go back and watch it. You'll see. You'll right. see. It's weird. All right, Miles, <laughs> what did your elf eyes see? I noted a funny thing. We talked a few episodes ago about how strange it was that Scott Dawson and uh, Garrett Dillon, a.k.a. Jody Christopherson, son of Chris Christopherson, were in a tag team managed by Sylvester LaFort. And uh, then abruptly one day, Garrett Dillon was just gone and uh, LaFort was coming out managing just Dawson alone. With that in mind, I think it's utterly hilarious that the uh, the Titantron, like the video that plays on the screen when LaFort and Dawson come out, still has Dylan's name on it. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh. So, like, it's the thing where you have, like, the muscle car in the middle, right? And then it says Dawson on the right, which is all you see at first. But then the camera pans over and you see Dylan on the left. Wow. <laughs> it's just like he's just been completely disappeared. Oh, poor Jody Christopherson. All right. L, what did your elf eyes see? I also wanted to say something about, about Scott Dawson. He looks so young six years ago. He looks like a... A tiny baby with a biker beard. 
Uh, <laughs> and I like I just want to tell him, oh Scott Dawson, you're you have so much ahead of you, you have no idea what's to come. Aww. Wait, good or bad, we don't know yet. Or I don't know yet. Uh definitely both. Yeah. Okay. Alright, Bob. What did your Vulcaneers hear? I heard William Regal say, what a night for everything that's good and true in the world, whenever Neville and Graves <laughs> won. And you know, it sounded so goddamn cheesy, but also because I am experiencing it now, like as though it's happening for the first time, I genuinely felt how weirdly powerful it was. And I was shocked at the extent to which the narrative tension had actually eaten at me. And I was like, oh my God, it is. Everything is good and true in the world in 2013 at this particular match. <laughs> And I uh, I was right there with William Regal and felt it. So I guess yeah. I, I heard a lot. It was really appropriate coming from him considering he had been directly involved in the Wyatt storyline. So it made a lot of sense that he was, you know, feeling that way. Yeah. So what did your Vulcaneers hear, Miles? It was more what they didn't hear in the video package with the Ascension. You know, Rick Victor says his poetry and then O'Brien shows up and he's like, we are the Ascension and we will rise. And and Rick Victor says, we will rise with him. And then Connor says, again? Yeah. And you can just tell that Victor forgot that part. Because, <laughs> like, his lips move. He's like, oh, yeah, again, shit. <laughs> and Bob, keep an eye out for the next episode because they replay that package. And it's the same, it's the same um, video package so you can see it again. Nice. I will look forward to that. All right, L. What did your Vulcan ears hear? The theme song to NXT in 2013 is a lot less annoying than like every theme song they've had since then. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I don't want them to get rid of it because it is. I get pumped when I hear it now. It's definitely the best theme song in the history of the show. I mean, what do they change it to? Like blank space? I mean, which I wouldn't have a horrible problem with or anything, but I'm just it's trying honestly, to imagine. It's going to change a few times and it goes through different incarnations. It, like it goes through wildly different tones, to be honest. Yeah. But there is definitely of the several theme songs that they've had since then. At least most, if not all of them, have been rap metal. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, um, NXT. L, how do you feel about the one they have now? Because I do not love it. I do not care for it at all. The the we are not your kind thing. Yeah. It's No, I'm not into it. The NXT UK theme song is also rap metal, but it's a little better. I, I prefer it's, it. Yeah, I okay. prefer it too. It's just, it's bizarre. That, that weird like drop almost in the middle of it is so strange to me. Mm-hmm. All right, Bob, what did your human heart feel? Just deep vindication that Neville and Graves won the tag team. I mean, I I just feel like, despite the fact that I haven't been on this journey that long, it felt like the Wyatt family have been in power forever and that yeah. we we're just going to live this way for the rest of eternity, which, I mean, to be fair, if Luke Harper is saying, yeah, 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 I can kind of live with it, that's pretty good. But still, just going, oh, thank God, this is so good. Yay, they did it. That's a really cool observation because, you know, we're coming into this. We came into the show right at the end of Biggie Langston's title run. Like, I think he loses the title on episode four of our show. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, the women's champion is going to be crowned on the next episode. So this is definitely your first experience of like, you know, the Wyatts were champions when you came in. And so this is the first time that kind of like the people that you thought of as champions have finally been dethroned. So thank you for sharing your feelings on that. Yeah. And Miles, what did your human heart feel? 
I just really love the the opening match. I love the the Zayn Cesaro Kruger match. I just, it's it's so good, even by today's standards. It's just real quality stuff, especially with the the storytelling. You really felt that Sammy and Cesaro just hated each other, and that Kruger was willing and able to capitalize on that. I just thought it was really well done. Elle, what did your human heart feel? I felt so much watching that uh, Bailey Charlotte match. I have so much affection for both of them, and I like seeing them at this early point just like fills me with warmth and also like I can feel like Bailey's performed awkwardness and Charlotte's actual awkwardness. Yeah. And it's, there's just, there's so much potential in both of them that you can like sort of see the hints of, but it's not really like realizing itself the way that it will before too long. Um, That's so cool. And by the way, the fact that like now Charlotte's whole thing is like, I'm better than you because I'm the face of this company or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird actually that Bailey never comes back with when you arrived in this company, I was your first match and I made you look good. Yeah, and mm. you were a rookie and I had already been here. Yeah. They don't go back to the the well of NXT for character beats on the main roster nearly often enough for my taste. And I think it's just because there's there's still a disconnect between the two, you know, despite everything with NXT, you know, moving over to USA and becoming a more popular brand and everything like it's just still like the left hand doesn't quite know what the right hand is doing all the time. And I feel like that unfortunately translates to the characterization way too often. Mm. Yeah. So those were the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. And now, Bob, we're going to close things out with another edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. So question number one, Bob, which of the following matches, which all happen on the next episode, is the main event of next week's episode? Oh, God. Is it A, Sheamus versus Luke Harper, despite the fact that it should be Paige versus Emma in the finals of the NXT Women's Championship Tournament? Is it B? The Ascension making their debut as a tag team against Mickey Keegan and Aiden English. What despite the, the fact, Despite the fact that it should be Paige versus Emma in the finals of the NXT Women's Championship Tournament. Is it C? Tyler Breeze making his debut against Angelo Dawkins. Despite the fact that it should be Paige versus Emma in the finals of the NXT Women's Championship Tournament. Or is it D? Paige versus Emma in the finals of the NXT Women's Championship Tournament. I feel like I shouldn't trust any wrestling to make a women's thing the main event. Like, I just should not trust that. Mm, This one is learning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you know what? They brought Sheamus. They better use him. I guess it's going to be Sheamus versus Luke Harper for some reason. Okay, Sheamus versus Luke Harper is your answer. In a beard match. (laughs) (laughs) Question number two. Speaking of that women's championship match, Bob. It's going to get a full 13 minutes of television time. Okay. Dating back from this show on July 17th, 2013. (laughs) Oh, shit. When is the last time a women's match got 13 minutes on mainstream WWE television? Oh, God. Was it A, about four months ago at WrestleMania 29? Was it B, about a year and a half ago at WrestleMania 28? Was it C, about two and a half years ago at WrestleMania 27? Or was it D, I don't even know because it was too far back, but I got to 2009 before I gave up in disgust. I mean, Miles, how could it not be D? Like, D just sounds like I can feel that it happened. You know what? I'm just going to tell you this one now. You're correct. It did happen. I looked and I was running out of time before we started recording. 
and I have I, not yet found a televised women's match that was longer than this one. And I was getting increasingly infuriated. I can't imagine when one would have been. Just years and years of three-minute matches between, like, Natalia and Eve Torres. It was the most frustrating thing ever. I will say I will not take the point for it. I will eschew that point because I feel like, you know what? The really important point is that there should be more women's wrestling. And, uh... Fuck the past for not recognizing that. (laughs) That's fair. Well, question three, Bob, because next week is the finals of the Women's Championship Tournament, and I wanted to celebrate that, damn it. So all these questions relate to that. So for the first time, Bob, I am just going to ask you to tell me who's going to win a match. Who's your pick? Oh, shit. Who's going to win that match? Is it A, Paige, B, Emma, C, a draw, or D, a third wrestler who gets thrown in at the last minute because that happens in wrestling sometimes. Oh, God. Uh, uh, okay. Paige, I think my gut says Paige. I honestly can't tell, but I think Paige. Okay. Paige it is. And uh, that's going to about do it. I do want to ask L one more question before we let them go. Mm-hmm. Um, L, do you have any advice, especially as someone who... Uh, yourself came in kind of late to the game and had to to learn the ropes of pro wrestling. Do you have any advice for Bob on how to go from sort of a place of uh, wrestling neophytism to full-on smartdom? I mean, hopefully not full-on smartdom, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Follow the things and people that you're into. Um, Okay. Like I said, one of the early things that I did was go back and watch uh, all of the Bailey stuff from NXT. You know, I've also gone back and watched a lot of like uh, 1980s uh, NWA and WCW just because I got really into Dusty Rhodes. And, you know, I ended up watching all the uh, War Games matches and I've watched all the uh, 1980s WWF women's tag team matches. Like, there's so much wrestling. There has always been so much wrestling. Like, even if you get into Doctor Who, which is a TV show that went on for a ridiculous number of years you're still going to at some point going to want to go back and start watching with the unearthly child in 1963. Mm. Um, or at the very least start with the first Tom Baker episode or whatever. Like you can't do that yeah. with wrestling. I mean, you're kind of doing it right now with NXT, but in general, you can't just go back and watch the first WWE show and watch forward from there. So you just have to like find the threads that intrigue you and pull on those threads. Cool. Thank you. Which may involve going back to Chikara and watching uh, Luke Harper be a lumberjack. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it doesn't, there's something wrong here. Yeah. Oh, boy. It, I, I'm feel it, I feel it palpably. Oh. Thank you so much, Elle, for joining us. It was a yes. true honor to have you on. I'm not sure that anyone listening to this doesn't know who you are, but if they don't, would you like to tell them where they can find you on the internet? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Another L. You can find my writing every day on uh, with Spandex, which is uprocks.com slash pro wrestling. And uh, you can find my uh, my somewhat infrequent wrestling podcast, uh, the Hard Times podcast, which I do with uh, with Megan Nielsen. Uh, you can find all my podcasts, including the ones that don't come out anymore, <laughs> at uh, uh, intuitpodcast.com. That's the easiest place to find it. Or just search yeah. for Hard Times Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You definitely should do all those things because they are all delightful. That's it for our episodic content on this one, Bob. 
thank you so much once again to Al Collins for being a part of our show. It was such an honor to have them on, and hopefully we can do it again sometime. It was tremendous talking about wrestling with them. Yes, definitely. So at this point, guys, a few weeks ago, we asked you to uh, slam our inbox with reviews, and if you did, you would be entered into a drawing, or in this case, a rolling. Yes. To basically win the right to make us cover something uh, in something resembling the NXT wrestling fan format. Y'all came out strong. Y'all came out in force. I appreciate that. It's pretty awesome. And uh, it is so awesome that I need to roll a 20 sided die to determine which review writer, writer of reviews, will be the one to get their selection covered here on this show as a bonus episode. Bob, you have all the names assigned to numbers, correct? I do. All right. Well, then here we go. We're gonna, I'm going to roll this, this D20 here right now. It's a real die roll. And that is a 12. Cat the Pope. Cat the Pope. Yes, Cat the Pope will be getting to command what we do for this bonus episode. Congratulations. Uh, think carefully about what you would like us to cover. Just as yeah. a reminder, uh, you know, an episode of a thing, maybe, or like, you know, nothing too crazy and uh, hopefully nothing too dark. <laughs> yeah, I, I trust you, Cat the Pope. You've got a very trustworthy name. Yeah, that's you true. You wrote a trustworthy like, review. I do actually just have to read this review real quick from Cat the Pope because it's it's great and I love it. So okay. this review is titled Come for the Butt Watch, Stay for the Social Deconstruction, <laughs> which is really what we should rename our podcast. <laughs> and the review goes, I started listening to this podcast knowing absolutely nothing about wrestling, and now I know slightly less than nothing about wrestling. <laughs> but the real joy is the hilarious breakdown of each match. No, wait, the real joy is the pitch-perfect chemistry between the hosts. Oh, thank you, Kat. Or is the real joy this open door beckoning me into a love of wrestling, proving that the answer was inside me all along? The only way to know is to listen yourself. What can your human heart feel? Aww. That's a damn good review. Dude. It is. It's a very fine review. Like that review. I think that review reached out into the ether and like pulled that 12 just out of it. That's how good that review was. Thank Whoa. you so much. Yeah, that's what happened. And I'm it sticking to it. It has the ability to manipulate probability. Is this review an X-Man? I mean, it's entirely possible or perhaps Waldo. Um, there we go. Oh, boy. That is, a, that is a joke for Smash Fiction listeners and them alone. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Norway. I know this is very odd. We're able to see where people listen to the show. And we have one listener in Norway. And I just want to say thank you for holding the line. And I also want to give out a shout to Mexico because we also have one listener in Mexico. So thanks for holding the line. Yeah, we appreciate that. Oh, I also wanted to say one more thing before we go, which is that very soon we will be releasing the bonus episode that Miles and I recorded because I got those sweet, sweet 10 points on the cheap pop quiz. It's a really good episode. <laughs> it's it's exquisite. It's a thing of beauty. If you would like to read this book, and I think Miles and I can both say very firmly, you should read this book. 
Yeah, it's called The Duchess Deal, and it's by Tessa Dare, and I have already purchased the sequel, because it's really good. So there you go. Please, if you would like to join us on this journey, if you want to get at Miles or I about this book, we will talk about this book with you. As you'll see when the episode drops, I have lots and lots and lots of feelings about it, so I'm really excited to hear that, and I'm really excited to talk to anyone who wants to talk to me about it, so at MJ Schneiderman on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah! The Duchess deal is currently available for $4.99 on Kindle. I mean, fuck Amazon, but I do want Tessa Dare to get paid for her excellent book. You can also probably find it at a used bookstore because romance readers go through romance novels like popcorn. I found the sequel at a used bookstore. I found the third in this series at a used bookstore. Yay, used bookstores! Yeah, so there's your other option. My god, we're nerds. I love it so much. Shout out to my son, who was born recently and who has no chance of not being a nerd. I'm sorry, Rowan. I'm sorry in advance. No, he's going to be a cool baby. He's going to be so cool. (laughs) Uh, Tiny leather jacket. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in two weeks with the next episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bye! The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Was that also a package? If it's pre-taped, is it? Are they all packages? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's all packages. Bob. Okay. You know that. All right. Yeah, I know it is. That's <laughs> Sorry. I'm never well, going to get over that. Wrestling is full of packages so- and we're never going to stop commenting on it. Big and small packages. That's right. Oh. But we will see how you do on this week's Cheap Pop Quiz later in the episode. I'm coming for you, Miles. Yeah, you are. That was that would be easily misconstrued. Fortunately, both of us are married. <laughs>